This is the Get Geekish Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us here. We do this every week. Talk about nerdy stuff, and uh, today's no different. I'm Beto. Over there is Derek, my uh, co-pilot, compatriot. Uh, Dr. Magoose. Wingman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we decided this week we're going to talk a little bit about practical effects versus CGI. Now, this conversation came about because uh, I just watched the uh, new season four of Stranger Things and watched... Uh, the bad guy in it, which I won't give any spoilers away because I know lots of people haven't watched it yet, but I can say his name, right? That's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. He looks like, I haven't seen it, but I, he looks like Swamp Thing to me. So Yeah, he was. it's Vecna. He's the guy that's in all the trailers. That's not giving anything away. But no. um, they talked about it after the fact. That was mostly practical effects. That was a dude in a rubber suit covered in teeth and tentacles and burns and stuff like that that he had to spend eight or nine hours getting into whenever he was doing that acting part. And it felt way more believable that it just done a, a CGI goblin or something like that. Well, I think that's like, uh, I don't know. I think that the, the feel of the practical effects makes it more realistic. I mean, like, there's some good CGI out there. You know, there's there's parts where you're watching a movie, you can't even tell that they're acting in front of a blue screen. And you're like, oh, they're, they weren't really in Philadelphia? That That's shocker, you know? Mm. Um and then you got things like, you know, Top Gun. You, you were talking about that, the new Top Gun Maverick. They use a lot of practical effects with that, with real planes and everything like that, to get the real feel. And and I will say from that one, too, I also saw that over the weekend. The shots from inside the planes, on the planes, and the cockpits up in the air are absolutely spectacular. I, I mean, a CGI version wouldn't be able to do it justice yet. I'm going to throw it out there because I will concede that I like some CGI. I like a lot of practical effects, and I think those movies that find that nice blend of having both are the way to go. Mm. But the way CGI is going in the not too distant future, they're going to be able to make things that are good enough. But right now, it's still what's that effect uh, that a lot of like AI and CGI stuff can't do, where it's so perfect that your mind doesn't believe it. I don't know, but I know that they're working on a new Unreal Engine that is kind of like almost like you at first, you know, with, with humans, it's still like with characters like that, it's still kind of like, there's something a little off. Yeah. You can, you can look at it and go, okay. But like with the landscapes and everything like that, I had to sit there and just like stare at it. I'm like, that's not real. Oh, is this, is this a picture of that green forest that was going around social media this week? No, not that one. There was like a subway or like a, like a street or something like that. I'm just staring at that. I'm like, that's, that looks dang good. Mm -hmm. I saw I saw one too. Somebody sent me a picture of it. I'm like, what do you see? I'm like, I explained it. And I looked at this picture of a forest with a brook running through it. And then the word digitally created or CGI or anything would not have crossed my mind ever if I just come across that picture on anything or in anything. It's ridiculous. Well, and I think that's the thing too is that, I mean, we could have the argument of when is it too much? When does it work? Because, I mean, you can look. Let's let's t- let's hop in the wayback machine as we usually do on this podcast and go back to the '90s when CGI was a hot commodity. Right, every film wanted to do that CGI. They wanted to brag about like CGI. And granted, you had some films that looked fantastic. Terminator Two, one of them that used practical <laughs> effects with CGI. Mm-hmm. And, and at, the, the, at, the, at the time. It was yeah. unbelievable. I remember thinking, watching Terminator 2, like, this is like the epitome. This is it. This is as good as movies can get and as good as movie effects can get. Wow. I look back at it now, and that's obviously a, it's, a farce. But <laughs> it's still, it, I mean, it's still not bad compared to some movies. You know, you take the practical effects, right, and the CGI effects from Terminator 2, 
it still kind of holds up as opposed to uh, Mortal Kombat, right? They have some really shoddy CGI in there with like Scorpion. And I'm talking the Mortal Kombat from like the mid 90s, not the mm-hmm. not the remake. But they have some shoddy CGI of Scorpion's spear. Reptile looks like, I don't even know, like awful. And it's just one of those ones where you like compare it. And that's the thing too, is like 90s movies just always wanted to do something CGI. And like you said, at the time you're like, Wow, but there's sometimes you watch it, and you're like, that doesn't hold off. But then you watch 90s movies now, and you're like, oof. And is that what we're going to see, like, you know, with the Avengers movies? Some of the Avengers movies, or the early Marvel movies, just to say, you watch them, and you're like, I believe that at one point? That CGI is not great. Well, I feel like the, the 2000s and 2010s CGI, the trope that seemed to follow most of the big action movies was they tried to make too much going on at once, so they mm. always just had to cover it with fast-moving things and blurs and smoke. Because oh, nobody will notice because it just basically. I mean, look at the first Hulk movie. I saw that at the drive-in, and pretty much that was a green blob of unfocusedness floating around the screen for half an hour. Like, yeah. there was no oh wow, look at that. It was just oh yeah, okay. I'm supposed to know that's a big green guy. Cool. Well, another thing, too, is, like, sometimes when you get the, the bad CGI, it kind of takes you out of the movie. And, like, again, a perfect example, this is Die Hard. So you have all these practical effects. You know, have the, the explosions and everything like that. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end, you know, yes, we know that he was dangling. Yes, we know the look of fear in his eyes is real because they told him that he was going to drop on this time. But they dropped him early so they could get that. But you look at it because they CGI'd in the explosion underneath him and everything like that. You're just like... Huh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 stuff like that takes you out. I, there was an action movie I was watching. I don't know what it was, and I don't. And it, it was a relatively new one, like you know, 2016 or something like that. And the blood was CGI, and you could tell because like the bullet holes kind of like didn't sit right on the clothes, and you, the the spray was kind of off. And I'm like, this is an okay movie. Why? That, but that kind of ruins it. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's tough because especially with uh, CGI now, the amount it costs to have some cr- crew of four people sit behind their computers and create this scene for you mm-hmm. is a fraction of the cost. Say you're going to do a car chase with a bunch of explosions. You need to go rent out part of a city and get 30 or 40 used cars that you're going to absolutely destroy and then clean up afterwards. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars just to shoot that one scene, whereas somebody can whip together something that some suit in an office will be like, yeah, looks good enough in a weekend. Like, <laughs> Or they'll even reuse it. I mean, you look at uh, the freeway chase from, uh, what is it, one of the Transformers movies is like the same freeway chase from The Island, mm-hmm. uh, the other Michael Bay movie. Like, people take it and it's like almost identical with some things digitally removed. I'm like... Hey, it worked I for guess. Disney for four or five decades. <laughs> I was gonna say, I guess it worked. For, you know, it works. But then I, there's there's franchises that I appreciate that do a good mix. Um, one Star Wars. Star Wars has always done a great job of mixing practical effects with CGI. Because back in the '70s, in the early '80s, they didn't have. I, I'm still amazed. I look back at at the original Star Wars movies. And I'm blown away by the practical effects of if you go back and see some of the the making of those movies, it's awe-inspiring the number of models and figurines and things they created just to film those scenes. Like the the final scene below of the Death Star flying down that valley, that is all in a giant model with teeny 
tiny little replicas that they're floating around that make this whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But on the flip side, being that I grew up in that time frame, I mean, I learned video editing when I was in school when I was video editing back and still cutting tapes together and reel-to-reel machines and things like that. When I think back to, you know, the early to mid or mid to late 70s, how Star Wars even got things like lightsabers and laser blasts to look remotely believable is beyond me. <laughs> well, especially when, you know, what, the, the studio didn't even really believe in the first one. Uh-huh. And you look at... You know, this is another podcast that we could do is like, you know, sci-fi movies before Star Wars that are decent. But like even you look at some of those and you're like, the technology is just it's not there. And the fact that they did such a great job and did such a great job with the practical effects, you know, with the costumes, and everything. Granted, some of the claymation stands out kind mm-hmm. of weird. And obviously, George Lucas re-edits where he added in the CGI, which is just god awful now is is one of those ones and that's a perfect another again star wars is like a perfect example of what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. because those re-edits of that cgi when you're watching them now you're like they stand out oh horribly. that looks awful <laughs> i mean let, let's let, let go, green lantern ryan reynolds movie mm. how much better would that movie have been had they just put him in a green suit <laughs> like a real costume rather than a cgi one yeah and, and a lot of the new ones i i mean the eternals did a lot of it where there was so much CGI mixed stuff, but they still had some real costumes on there, so it was still kind of believable, but it seems like they touched everything up. If we circle back around to Maverick, the amount of CGI and retouching that goes into movies, I, I think most people don't even grasp. You see Tom Cruise welcoming people to theaters before Top Gun Maverick. Tom Cruise is not a spring chicken anymore, and he's getting a little long on the tooth in some way. And then you see him on screen, you're like... How do you look 29 again? <laughs> right. Like, you can't do that with just makeup. And so all well, the different things that go through and then just touch everybody's faces up, adjust them up, which is cool that they can make somebody look older or younger in a pot. Like, I, I still get blown away. Like, see uh, uh, Professor Xavier and Magneto watching them get 20 years younger for a scene and showing back, and it's believable enough looking. You're like, oh, that's that's way cool. Well, and that. That's what I was going to say is like there's some movies that try to do the de-aging, you know, especially when they were first working with it. And you're like, that doesn't look right. You know, um, you look at some of the Marvel movies. They did a great job with Michael Douglas. You know, some mm-hmm. people are like, eh, but like I, I'm the young Robert Downey Jr. for that flashback when he's with his parents. And I'm just like that one. I'm like, there's something kind of off. And even with Luke in The Mandalorian, you're like, there's it's, I it's, get it. It's just there's just off enough off, where you're like, yeah, it's it. it yeah. It's a good what's, it's a good try. What's I, I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> and that's the same thing. I mean, even with the new Hulk is, you know, when they're the the brainy one where his glasses and everything, and then he's, you know, talking, I'm like, don't there's just something off that's not that's not working. But I I do appreciate movies, especially like the Jurassic Park franchise too, that that tries to still do the practical effects. Granted, Sometimes when movies do the practical effects with the CGI, it's very noticeable between mm. the two. And I think that was what in Jurassic Park 2. Mm. Well, the interesting thing about that, because I always think of the first Jurassic Park movie as like the one that brought practical effects back to the forefront. Because mm-hmm. at the point, everything was going all CGI. And they said, no, 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 we are going to use practical effects for this. But uh, Spielberg in that movie is part of the reason the CGI took off is because 
as the story goes, I wasn't there, so it's all hearsay and internet talk. <laughs> is when they were making that movie, he basically pitted uh, practical effects teams and a digital effects teams against each other, and the CGI team came up with a version of the T Rex that was all digital, that was so believable that Spielberg said, "Okay, we're going to use them both, and we're going to fix it in here." But if they'd done a cruddy job, Spielberg would not have used near as much CGI the first Jurassic Park, and probably would have taken out a bunch of scenes that we love today because they would have been dang near impossible to do and I, it's, <laughs> it's 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 weird to experience how a practical effect movie is one of the movies that made cgi more relevant <laughs> right one well, that's the same thing you could say that about i mean avatar is not a practical effect movie but it helped you know like look at look at this all the cgi and everything like that which granted it's a beautiful movie i haven't seen it since the theater so I don't know if it still holds up, but I saw the trailer or the teaser trailer for the new one coming out. Mm. And I was like, okay, so they're still going this route. But it's also one of those ones, too, where Hollywood kind of looks at it where, like, you're like, we could put out a movie with, you know, like this, this, this. But if it's heavy CGI, it's going to take longer, especially if you want it done right. Like, done right would be, and I hate to say this, but Transformers. Making them look believable on the screen you know, on the set and everything like that is, is crazy. You look at Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks just is kind of off mm-hmm. and you see kind of what goes behind the scenes, you know, people with the dots all over the face, the motion capture, the mocaps and all that. And you're like, that's impressive to, to be able to act with that. But like, sometimes it doesn't transfer to the screen. Right. And I don't know. The argument could be said both ways. I mean, but sometimes the movies don't need the CGI. There's gotta be a way to, yeah, I feel like sometimes people just use CGI because they can, or it's the easy fix or the quick fix, the easy way out. Because, like we talked about, the amount of time and patience and money it takes to do some practical effects, it's it's impossible to do for dreams. But well, look I, at uh, what was it, Justice League? They rather than pushing back the shooting schedule of it because of Henry Cavill had to have a mustache because he was filming a different movie. They're like, we'll just CGI out, and that's again. You're watching that, and you're like, every time he talks, you're like, yeah, you're what's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Something's wrong with your mouth, dude. <laughs> and that movie got lambasted, you know, for many reasons, but that's one of them is them CGIing out his mustache because they couldn't wait for the other film to wrap up. Mm. So, and that's a, that's one of those ones right there where like, if you can't do it right where it doesn't look off, maybe just wait. Yeah. And it's uh, there's there's because there's creative uses to go either directions with it, but when you're making a movie with real people too, it's so much easier for actors to interact when there's something there with them. I mean, mm-hmm. look back, uh, we'll flash back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That was groundbreaking having the animated characters and the live action actors together. But how hard it was for Bob Hoskins to be able to try and interact with Roger. Like every time they're speaking with each other, interacting they they don't quite match up because it's almost impossible, especially back then because it was hand drawn <laughs> animations, uh, you know, easier now with CGI, but it, you don't, you don't get the same feel of when you're saying, okay, talk to the blue dot next to you. Pretend it's a giant monster. It's always okay. funny when you like you see the behind the scenes and it's some prop guy with like a tennis ball mm-hmm. where they're supposed to be looking, <laughs> and and then you watch the movie too and like some you know if it's a if it's a scene with a kid they don't know and like they're kind of like looking a little bit lower you're like their eyes aren't matching up and it kind of like again you're like eh. but then there's some scenes what was it uh, John Wick where 
there was parts of that movie that I had no idea was CGI. Like the motorcycle thing down the thing it was or down the road is like the CGI city behind him and everything like that. And I was like, dang, that looks real. You mm-hmm. know, they, and I think I think with landscapes they can do a better job, but when it comes to humans, it's not there yet. I don't know. I, th- I feel like the CGI gets away with murder more too when they have films that are a little more artistic in the sense you look at things like Watchmen or Sin City or things that have that very specific vibe to everything going on. You mm-hmm. can get all because everything's already a little bit surreal, a little off. It's the movies where it's trying to place us in our actual world with our sun and colors and tones and all that kind of things that some of the CGI gets gets a little dicey. <laughs> Well, that's too funny that you said that because, um, what is it like? Oh, God. Not Dune. It could have been Dune. I don't know. Where they're, like, filming outside, right? They're filming the landscape and everything like that. And you see a side-by-side of what they filmed as to what was on the screen. And, like, it looks like garbage, the real world. And then what they put on screen, you're like, that looks beautiful. What a go there. (laughs) And people end up, you know, somebody, you see a film and somebody's like, oh, Italy looks great. And you go to Italy like, why is this so drab? This doesn't look like anything that was in the Italian job. <laughs> Boost the chrominance. Boost the chrominance. One of my favorite scenes that's uh, practical effects is from Inception. The fight scene where in the hallway and they're crawling mm-hmm. around through that. They actually built like a 30-foot-long square hallway that rotated and then put a camera on the hallway and rotated it around so when the actors move around, they were actually trying to stay that keep their balance and stay on the bottom and keep themselves up. So we're on film. It translates to this mind boggling dimensional shift of them defying gravity. And if they'd try to do that with CGI, it wouldn't it have looked, looked real at all. It would have looked garbage. <laughs> one of the, okay. So since we're, you said one of your best uses of practical, one of my worst CGI moments is in the first X-Men. And this will always stick with me. When Wolverine puts out his claws, first of all, they look off, but he's on top of the Statue of Liberty and like jumps and does a swing around Lady Liberty's little hook with his claws, and it's all CGI, and I'm just like, that's the best you could do. Like I remember watching that movie and just started laughing. I was like, that looks awful. And this was when it came out. I was like, that looks awful. And it does definitely does not hold up today mm-hmm. at all. No, no. But that's one of the things, too, is like you can see the evolution of his claws throughout the franchises. Because, like, the first, you know, X Men, they're all janky and whatnot. Kind of going weird at, directions coming out. <laughs> yeah. You you look at Wolverine and, or not Wolverine, Logan, and it looks more realistic. Mm hmm. And, you know, there was an article where I read about the, like, the different things that, like, at one point, Hugh Jackman used real ones, but he cut his leg and was, like, hurt a stage member or whatever. <laughs> they were like, no, <laughs> let's do something else. <laughs> but, I mean, practical effects, Christopher Nolan's great at using practical effects, you know, with a mix of CGI, obviously. But, I mean, you look at, like, the, the Batman films, a lot of practical effects in that with, like, the garbage truck or like the semi, whatever, just blowing over like this and how many takes, you know, those have to take and everything like that. And like you said, it takes man hours. It takes resources and everything like that. And, and, and it's, and there's no matter which way you choose, there's always going to be problems. I think when you say back to the dark Knight, that is all, that is one of the movies that has one of my least favorite CGI scenes too. When the stadium collapses and it starts going underneath, it's, Oh, the dark Knight rises. The dark Knight rises. Yeah. 
uh, when yeah, yeah. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting swallowed by the earth. Like that yeah. one scene, I watched it and I'm just like, this, that's not even, did you guys just like forget that one? Because it, it literally just looks like it was a PlayStation 1 graphic of all the grass just falling away. And there's there's even one guy that like his body kind of distorts when it twists down and falling off of it. And I'm a video editing nerd. So when I look at it, I, I, I just, I get, can't wrap my head around it. I'm like, ah, why, why did you do that? <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments in films where I mean even a shoddy practical effect let's go back to the 80s when total, they used a lot of <laughs> total yeah, recall I was, gonna, I was gonna say total recall when they use a lot of practical effects when he's out in Mars and he can't breathe mm-hmm. and his eyes start popping out it's a hilarious scene and it's not supposed to be but it's one of those ones you're just like <laughs> but and what's funny is like a couple scenes earlier before that He's wearing that mask, that robotic mask that he takes off, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. This, I'm like, why didn't you guys just do that for his face? Because the face just looks god awful. Yeah. Or look at Jaws. Jaws was a great use of practical effects. It was ahead of its time in how to do it, using the big mechanical sharks out in the water. Whole bunch of problems with it, though. <laughs> yeah, but you look back at it now, and you're like, that those those sharks don't look remotely real. But at the yeah. time, it was amazing, and you can still you know find a few spots where you find some cast members or little parts of animatronics and boats sticking out of the robots you can see on it and it's just a whole new set of circumstances the first king kong movie amazing use of practical effects but godzilla (laughs) uh uh-huh but compared to how technology has progressed they don't seem it but you transfer yourself back to what they had available fantastic and that's where i think modern movies when they have really bad cgi you just want to shake a stick at them because you see so many even low-budget movies and Netflix shows that have darn near-believable special effects in their shows and they have some big-budget Hollywood blockbuster you're like that. I, I, I'm pretty sure you can do that in Windows Movie Maker, guys. <laughs> right. It is, it is kind of funny, too, like that you mentioned it with like the streaming services that we have. You know, you have The Boys, which has a kind of a mix of both, but you're watching that and you're like, Okay, and then you go and watch, you know, like a DC movie or something like that. You're like, what? I just watched a streaming show that was way better done than this. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to the 80s when CGI was kind of still like they it was a thing, but they their version of CGI was more of like claymation and green screen effects. (laughs) And I think of Army of Darkness with the the skeletons. (laughs) And, and the, you know, Ash kind of, they have to superimpose him on the thing. And it's just, you're watching it now and you're like. Yeah, the, the thought now is like, oh, right. Is this like the California Raisins Halloween special? Right. I know it, it, it's always funny when you, or Land of the Lost, like the, the show, when, when you go back and you see the use of the claymation, even what Return of the Jedi with the Rancor. Mm-hmm. And they put somebody in there and you're just like. That's a miniature little thing that somebody has to act, you know, because they have to blow it up. And it's just it looks out of place. And you're, you're like, back in the day, though, this was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I would say if we we're going to go on to Star Wars, C-3PO has been a great practical effects use of robots in sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff for it. They could have very easily been, I will just draw another way. I mean, let's look at the prequels. They made lots of random robots that streamed around smooth as, I, smooth as butter. But nope, yeah. this awkward dude trying to stumble around inside a metal tin suit fit exactly what C-3PO was supposed to be. Same with R2-D2. <laughs> let's throw somebody in this garbage can and have them wheel around. I mean, because like, again, you, you, you're exactly right. You look at the prequels. And they CGI'd a lot. I mean, they even CGI'd a lot of the the 
clone troopers and you just it doesn't look everything's just, right. just too smooth to be normal it's just right you know and this this podcast started out like practical effects versus cgi but i think nowadays we live in a time where they kind of cohabitate mm-hmm. they can they they can live together in a movie as long as they are well done mm-hmm Maybe, again, maybe, like maybe you, that's where, where movies are going. That's going to be a, a golden age of them because we went from the practical effects um, to the CGI stuff where now, instead of trying to have the best CGI ever, the best practical effects ever, I feel like the goal now is if you can make CGI so good that you don't know it's CGI or you can make practical effects so good that people think it's CGI, then you've done your job. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the thing too. Is like you look at movies like, well, Avatar again, where it is heavily CGI, you know, or even, you know, a lot of people love that world. But then you look at the Hobbit trilogy, which Lord of the Rings, tons of practical effects. The Hobbit, filmed in front of a giant blue screen to the point where the actor that played Gandalf, I just, uh, Sir, I just lost his name. Anyway, he Ian was. Killen? Yeah, Ian McKellen, he almost walked off the set because he did not like acting in front of the screen. And you can watch The Hobbit and go, yeah, it doesn't hold up to what the original trilogy was, which came out, you know, 20 years ago. I, I read uh, an argument on Reddit, which was, you know, sometimes a good idea, sometimes a horrible idea, where somebody <laughs> was talking about that, that that was actually some artistically chosen reasons to do that. And their take was that The Lord of the Rings... The original tour is supposed to be based on like a real life kind of story and saga, whereas The Hobbit was supposed to be more of a fairy tale and mm. believable magic. And there's this whole, you know, it was almost like a scholastic dissertation on this that people went back and forth on it. But there was some merit for it. But I, my biggest take between those two is looking at the orcs in Lord of the Rings versus The Hobbit. The practical effects orcs look terrifying and real and like they're going to chomp somebody's arm off. The orcs in. The Hobbit movies look like something out of like God of War. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're not great. Well, what's funny too is what I've heard. And this could be, you know, like you said, taken to the grain of salt or whatever. What I heard about the Hobbit movies too is that the studio was pushing Peter Jackson to pump them out because he even was brought in last minute for it to finish them. Mm-hmm. Like, it got started with something else. So they, rather than going on location and whatever like that, they were like, "Hey, just get these done." And so again, they. Filmed one, filmed two, filmed, you know, just hurried up and got them done. And that's why some of the CGI, like, looks awful. Um, I, we're getting to the end of this. So another horrible CGI moment for me is the Indiana Jones that we don't talk about, the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, the Prairie Dog looks awful, but the swing vines where Mutt is swinging with the monkeys in that one. I mean, that movie itself has a lot of horrible CGI when the original three were great use of practical effects. The Mm. Indiana Jones films do a fantastic job with practical effects. Crystal Skull did not. They they relied heavily on CGI because that was, I think, during that time period of like, hey, we got the technology. Let's make some stuff happen. And it just looks awful. Mm. Just looks awful. Yeah, the, the Prairie Dog in Kingdom of the Skull. I'm I, I was half certain I was the same Prairie Dog from like Caddyshack, but <laughs> right. I mean, and the, what's funny is the movie starts off with that CGI Prairie Dog, so that sets the tone for the whole movie. And when it got to the part where like 
you know, the car chase on the cliff and it just looks, you know, they're filming it, you know, they're sitting in the thing and you know that they're filming it on a green screen or whatever. And then you see Mutt who is swinging the vines and you're like, my PlayStation 2 had better graphics than this, guys. Come on. I feel like it sets the whole mood for movies beginning, too, because I wish I could think of what it was, because just a week or two ago, I was watching a movie, had the same thought. They were doing the intro where they're panning out over this you know, gorgeous scene, and then a bird flies across the screen. And it's happened in the past, and they magically get it, and it's, oh, wow, this is a really cool shot. But now, every time they have some establishing shot, they have to CGI something in there. And whatever this movie was, it was like a white parrot flying across. And it was so horribly CGI'd. It was like a Final Fantasy VII original version parrot that like flew across this gorgeous landscape. You're like, why? Add, the parrot doesn't add anything to the plot. You just started your movie and all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, crap, the effects are going to be terrible. Like, that's where my mind goes 37 seconds into this movie. Like, I wish I knew remember what it was could be a better story, but I've seen it in a lot of movies and they do that, and it's there's just something they want to add in there, like oh we'll do this, we need to add add this happening on here. Like, why, why? Right. <laughs> well, there's and there's times you don't even notice it when they're like when they actually do a good job of removing something from a scene, you know, like cables to make somebody float or stand upright, or mm. you know, uh, you look at a lot of period pieces where they remove the skyline in the back to make it look like the 1920s. They do a great job on some things like that, but sometimes when they remove also, you know, the the skyline or whatever, or they film something in front of a blue screen, it just the lighting's off, and you're just like, I, th- I think it boils down <laughs> to we talked at the beginning of it when it's planned, like here's what we're gonna do here's my magic. I want to make it look like this. We're going to do this. And they're planning for it. It's perfect. Mm. It's the, eh, we'll fix it in post. Or after yeah. everything's all said and done and the movie studios, um, can, can you guys make this look like it's in Philadelphia instead of uh, New York? <laughs> That's when things go south real quick. <laughs> and again, we'll go back to the justice league for that one, when they had to go back and refilm some scenes after the film was already done. And like the actors had already gone on and done other stuff. And you're like, uh, I mean, what, what, or what was it? Um, oh, what's the, oh, there's always money in the banana stand. Arrested Development. You look at this, the season that came onto Netflix after the show had already been off air. That is awful use of CGI because there's parts where like they had to film this actor over here in this state and this actor because they couldn't get everybody together. Mm. And then they put them all together in post, like you said, and it just looks so off. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys shouldn't have, if, if it's going to be this much work, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But everybody gets excited about it. And I mean, uh, from the creative side, you get something done and these people are so, oh, this is amazing. Oh, this looks so great. It's so great. And then three months later, then, oh, I could have done that better. Oh, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. quite right. So it's it's tough. But yeah. But uh, we, we've been around about this for a while. So I want to hear from you. Go to our uh, social media channels at Get Geekish. And I want to hear your favorite CGI moment or your worst CGI moment. Same with practical effects. Okay, I go either way. CGI yeah. or practical effects. <laughs> we'll give you a selection to choose from. Let us know at Get Geekish, and uh, I want to get some of those other uh, scenes. Because there's a ton. I've got a whole list on here we didn't get to of good and bad CGI and there's a, practical there's a effects lot. scenes. So, yeah, it's almost every movie imaginable. So let us know. Uh, <laughs> Derek, it's been fun as always. And uh, we'll, yes, we'll talk at you all next week.